Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the CX Cast. Sam Stern, joined as always by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we have on the phone from New York our colleague Anjali Lai. Hi, Anjali. How are you? Good, thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining us. We're really excited to talk to you about your research on values based consumers. This is a really, really important topic, but also one that is incredibly top of mind for many of our clients, many of our listeners, and getting a lot of news, a lot of press lately. And a recent report that you worked on with a few colleagues called Live Your Values to Grow Your Business, talking about how to really think about a appropriate response from a company to these values-based consumers. Can you talk about what are values-based consumers doing that is causing so much disruption in the market? Sure, absolutely. So this concept of values-based consumer is something that we've been talking about for a few years now and we've really seen has trended in the data over time, but became more of an overt topic of conversation recently, particularly because of how much buzz they've been driving in the marketplace. And so values-based consumers, just to sort of level set on this concept or on this term, are basically the consumers who evaluate their purchases, not just in terms of direct benefits they receive, but they also think about the product or the company's values that are external to the brand. So things like the employment culture or the political or social stance that the company takes or the executives take, whatever sort of commitment the company shows to a particular cause or belief. So this values-based consumer is one that has certainly become more sensitive to company values over time. And we've seen that sensitivity translate into consumer purchase decisions, which is really when executives started leaning into this conversation and looking at this as a business issue as opposed to a cultural or social trend. So in 2017, we crossed the tipping point where 52% of U.S. online adults said that they were actively considering company values when making a purchase. And that momentum has only grown stronger since then. So today, consumers are very clear about the values they stand for. Our data shows that 71% of U.S. online adults say that they have a strong sense of the values that they espouse and they're confident in their ability to act on their values. And they use brands as the vehicle to show their commitment to certain values. And that's something that has changed recently that, again, is driving a lot of this interest. It's the idea that consumers aren't necessarily turning to some of the local groups that they might have relied on in the past to exchange or reinforce their values, now they're using brands as a way to vote on the values that they care about. I'm glad that you talked about the definition of values-based because also thinking a ways back when we used to talk about a values-based shopper, it was someone who cared about the exchange that they were getting for the money that they put in. But here we're talking about values as meaning beliefs and also actions that people believe themselves as the consumers and then also that the brand is portraying. And so I know that I myself have been a skeptic of talking about brands needing to show their values or to what degree they need to show their values. And I know that I'm not always alone. And while I've been converted, there are still those companies out there who may say, you're saying that the data has been trending since when it hit that tipping point, but maybe the pendulum will swing back and this is going to be fleeting. Or it's only that younger people care about values and that's not my audience. So this isn't something that affects me. Has there been research that counters that or are there counters to those types of statements? 
Yeah, there definitely are. And I think what you're getting at is such a great point and such an important point, which is that one of the reasons that I think it's taken a long time for this conversation around values to penetrate the C-suite and really be considered in the context of the business strategy discussion is because people have typically thought that values are so personal and they should be left outside of the realm of business. And there should be this very clear separation, right? The point of business is to make money and to manufacture great products. And that is the type of functional value or financial value that a corporation is designed to work towards and to deliver. But because of this growing demand from these values-based consumers, that conversation is changing. And as this is picking up momentum, executives need to look hard at the data to understand really what is the state of their own values-based consumers and how are their various stakeholders taking action based on the values that they care about because there is so much buzz that exists. So when we look at the data, we find that, as I had already mentioned, this isn't a passing fad because it really has been trending over time and this has been growing over the past decade or so. And a related point, it's not just a function of Gen Z being extremely vocal on social channels about the values that they care about. It's not necessarily a millennial thing, so to speak, but instead we're seeing that this value sensitivity is extrapolated across different generations. So for for instance, a quarter of values-based consumers in the U.S. are Gen Xers, and just shy of a quarter are baby boomers. And so even though the younger consumers, Generation Y and Generation Z, might be driving a lot of the loud conversation, when we look at how other consumers are growing into that level of awareness or taking action on the values that they care about, we see that that is the case across the board. Mm-hmm. People are now sensitive to values and you have to show what your values are and show what you stand for because the consumers are demanding it. But we sometimes see that relay into just marketing messaging, such as the Gillette example that they did where they changed their We Believe logo. And it was so clearly not authentic (laughs) and just sort of getting on the bandwagon of a topic people were talking about. So is there any advice to companies and how they actually live their values as opposed to just put it into marketing material to try to appeal to these consumers? It has to start internally. So it has to come from a place of the executives knowing what the company stands for. And so that level of self-awareness has to be there before the company starts talking about values externally. So counterpoint to the Gillette example, Nike is a, is a great one that landed the Colin Kaepernick ad at the end of last year that was extremely controversial at the time of its launch because it was showing support for Colin Kaepernick, who at that point was famous for taking a knee in in the NFL during the national anthem to protest racial injustice and police brutality. And at that point, the liberal consumers applauded the move and conservative consumers revolted and started burning their Nike gear and retaliated in this very visceral, dramatic way. But when you look at what happened to the business, you'll see that this stance is something that is very, very much in line with Nike's values that they've been acting on over the years, over time. And because of that alignment, Because of that authenticity, Nike ended up hitting an all-time high market cap. Sales were up, and it was actually good for the business and for the business plan. And so it starts with, and you can really only be authentic when you know what the business is standing for. And I'll just mention that when it comes to just 
taking this first step, knowing what the values are and owning the values internally. That can either come from the values that might have been embedded in the brand's origin story. The company may have had values in the past, and it may be the case that the company has moved away from those over the years. Cadbury is a really interesting example of that one, which isn't considered to be quote-unquote, a socially conscious company today, but originally the company was founded with this mission of creating better working conditions for the factory workers, and it was founded with this idea of building affordable housing, education options for employees. So that's something that has always been in the company's part of that original story that can then be brought to the front. Another way to understand what the values are is to look at the values that employees are caring about. So Levi's is an interesting example of this one where the company will give them the space to talk about the issues and the values that they care about and participate in these values-oriented communities in any way they'd like. And the company doesn't cast any sort of judgment in terms of which values are right or wrong, but just by giving employees that space to talk about something that they are so naturally deeply passionate about, the company's value becomes this idea of free speech and encouraging civil action and encouraging community involvement. So a lot of this comes from the employees as well. So to answer your question, this authenticity has to come from the core of the company, and that's either the history, it's the legacy, or it's the employee experience today. And I'll add to that, employees can certainly be a barometer for whether your values are clearly expressed and feel accessible and are things that they believe you're living up to. We track this in our employee experience index measure that belief in the core mission and values of the company, belief that the company helps employees live its values, and belief that the company operates ethically are three of the most important factors in a good employee experience. So employees care about that. They, If they see that you're doing that, higher scores on that means that employees are more engaged means that they'll stay, means that they'll advocate on behalf of your brand, both products and services and open jobs. And that's a really nice measure of whether you are doing this in the right way or it's a cynical marketing ploy. And I even think Jim Nail talked about this on a past episode with us of the mm-hmm. CX cast, but Gillette could get to where it wanted to get to, but it had to be transparent about its contributions to a certain view of masculinity in the past, in its ads. Scantily clad women for reasons standing next to their man while he was shaving, like just because. And Mm -hmm. they need to own that. And then they can start to work towards this other thing. But to pretend that they're just starting today, super woke about all these issues, just rings so untrue. It's laughable. And so that's where I think companies can get to where they want to get to, even if they haven't been perfect in the past, through transparency, through owning that past is a really nice place to start. Right. They were like, the world is changing. We're changing too. Here's the journey that we're going on. Yeah. We look back on our old ads and cringe a little bit now and we want to make amends. Yeah. People are happy to give you a second chance, happy to forgive if they see that your apology is authentic and is actually taking responsibility for what you've done wrong. And so I wanted to go back to something that you mentioned at the beginning of that too, which is that in addition to thinking of what the consumers are looking at, you can also look to your employees. And so that can be used in one way, which is to test your message and if it feels authentic. So you don't have to wait until something is out in the market and see if they respond and if it's horrible (laughs) or if they (laughs) respond well. You do have a testing base internally. But I also wanted to draw attention to the fact that this value-based report 
isn't just about value-based consumers. It's also about values-based employees. And listeners, Sam was being modest earlier when he mentioned this report that we're talking about, which was authored by Anjali and also Rick Parrish and Sam Stern, too. So he has special insights here and is also an interviewee in a way. So I'd be curious to hear, we talked about that definition of the value-based consumer who cares about what the company stands for, its beliefs, and its actions. The value-based employee, is that a similar definition? Can we shed some light on what is a value-based employee that these companies should be thinking about? Yeah. So there's a figure in the report where we highlight this, that employees who align with companies' values are more likely to stay, more likely to say that they're productive every day at work or most days, and to say that they would recommend the company's products and services to family and friends. And it's because they are passionate about the company. So of course they want to stay. And of course they come to work whistling a tune every day, so to speak, to get their work done. And of course they authentically promote your brand and its products and services. And I think Anjali can speak better to this than I can, but it's rarer to see consumers, individuals, humans, making a distinction between their values that they would bring to how they choose which companies to do business with as a consumer and their values that they would bring to a decision about which company they would work for. They don't make that kind of distinction. It's like, well, I get a paycheck, so I check my values at the door. That is not how they think. And you Mm -hmm. can see that at places like Wayfair and Google, where there's these walkouts, there's these employee actions without unions. They're doing this completely on their own, completely without labor protections, but because they believe so passionately about the issue that they're acting on. Yeah, and I think that that's reinforced in some of the points that we made in the report, Sam, where we talk about how employees are looking at Glassdoor reviews before applying to a job and how they're taking reviews from other current employees so seriously when trying to assess whether the firm offers the right cultural fit. It's the same kind of thing that we see on the consumer side when consumers are so much more likely to trust peer-generated reviews about products and brands before making a purchase than professional reviews. And it's this idea of leaning on the experience that others that are similar to you have had that reinforces whether this is the right choice. And because of social media, because of sites like Glassdoor.com and the product review sites that exist, consumers and employees are able to catalog their experiences and report out potential threats when they feel as though the employer or the product is violating the values that it says that it stands for. And so there's this collective knowledge that's now being shared and is giving employees and consumers transparency into company values that has never really been this rich and is really an unprecedented level of information about company values that is very much driven by grassroots efforts from the employees and consumers. Yeah, and I want to underline that last point. I was thinking about that earlier. It's not only that there's been this secular shift in interest in values from consumers' relationship with a company. It's also the discoverability of information about whether a company is living up to its values across the board. Mm -hmm. So now it's not just did that fast food restaurant stop using battery cages for chickens for the eggs it gets, but also does it treat its labor well? Does it treat its communities that it goes into well? You can interrogate it on its alignment with its values or its stated beliefs across so many dimensions now that the onus is on firms to take that commitment seriously in all facets of how they do business. And I think, Anjali, we're seeing this, that more companies are trying to say something like a corporate social responsibility initiative that we might have had on the side in the past. We need to bring that closer to the center of our business because that way of thinking should guide more of the decisions we make at the core of our business rather than just in what charities we donate to. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. It's this movement from having CSR efforts being relegated to the periphery of the business into these types of social commitments being central to the business and being core to the business. So more frequently, we're seeing executives inviting leadership from CSR departments, for instance, into board meetings or into executive meetings to have more of a say in terms of how the company plays a role externally. So that's certainly a place to start, as we've already talked about, checking the box and doubling down on promoting a CSR effort isn't necessarily solving what is really needed, but it's a start and it's something that consumers will become more tuned into over time. And I think it's also interesting, too, that all of that information is available to make this call, whether you're a consumer or an employee now. So even if a company listens to this message and thinks, we don't need to have a big play here with values, we can continue business as usual, as long as we're maybe not offending someone on either side of the political spectrum, let's say, they can't hide if there is something going on, right? Information will be out there on Twitter, some employee will put something on Glassdoor. So even if you think you don't have to play here, you have to become aware of it, because the information is going to be distributed and available for any human, consumer or employee, to see and act on. Yeah, that's exactly right. In our research, consumers have said point blank, there is no such thing as a neutral brand anymore. Right. Or, you know, if you're not talking about what you're standing for, then you're probably hiding something, right? Or you probably shouldn't be standing for it. So that level of skepticism is growing and consumers, again, sensitivity to the values that a brand stands for, whether those are intentional or not, is growing. And that's why the brand has to take control of this before the market controls the brand's story. Great. Anjali, thank you for joining us. Listeners, we've posted a link to this report that we primarily talked about, which is called Live Your Values to Grow Your Business, but also a couple of links to additional reports from Anjali. This is such an important and fascinating research area that we want to expose you to a lot of Anjali's research here. And there's so much great data that underpins it. So I think it's worth checking out. This is real. This is not a flash in the pan. Keep that in mind as you think about how at your companies to better live your values every day so that you are not one of these companies that is in the news for a consumer or employee-led backlash against you. We'll talk to you all on next week's episode of the CX Cast. Goodbye for now. Thanks to our colleagues Amanda Chen for recording and mixing the episode and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at forrester.com. And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.